0: Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America. How about we spend a couple hours here on the Patrick Lally Show engaged in, oh, I don't know, what we like to call energetic and entertaining conversations, local, state, national news, and politics. Uh, We might throw in some pop culture today. Uh, We'll talk literacy and literature and um, civil rights. One of my favorite topics, as you know. Civil rights. I love the civil rights, the individual rights, the human rights. I like all the rights. I'm a rights guy. You know, that's what this show is all about. Finding your rights, keeping your rights, enjoying your rights, knowing your rights. In fact, we play a little song a little later called Know Your Rights. Uber producer Dan Peters is in studio today, as always. So we hope you will have a good time with us today. Thanks for spending some time on the radio at eleven eleven four zero 1140. Information 1000, Information 1000 thousand k It's been almost a year since that switch occurred. And did you know, Dan, by the way, that we are quickly coming up on the one-year anniversary of this program? It strikes me just now, as I was thinking about my near flub there, with the call letters and such of
1: course I am so I am acutely aware of the one year tenure of so, this particular program.
0: So you've you've already ordered me a lovely gift, is what you're saying. Don't! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Maybe not. There'll be no gifts. Oh, there'll be no money. But on your <laughs> yeah. But on, on your, your deathbed
1: bed. you'll receive total consciousness. Yes, that's so all. So you got that help. going for
0: you. <laughs> which is nice. Uh, that's all we ever hope for here on the Patrick Lally show is total conscious. Well, not even just like three quarter consciousness. That's what the sort of minimum level is. And we rarely get above that. Uh, yeah. But thanks for spending some time with us out there. If you're driving around in your car with the windows down, listening to information 1000, or perhaps you're streamed live at KSO.com, maybe on the KSO branded mobile app, that's the one you got to go get people. And remember, you can always follow along on Facebook Live or our Twitter account at P. Lally Show, P. Lally Show. So the one-year anniversary of this show uh, would be June 19. What day of the week is that? I think we went on the air for the first time June 19.
1: So the Monday is June 18.
0: So it'll be a Tuesday. That's all right. Tuesdays, well, we maybe do like a, you know, kick off the week with a uh, year-long, you know, a week-long celebration of the anniversary of the podcast.
1: Of course, Patrick. then there would be a Pat Tuesday, as the <laughs> common man so has dubbed during the course of this past year during, during yes. the uh, Weird Friends segment on this show.
0: Pat Tuesday. Maybe what we should do is, like, do uh, kind of a best-of thing. You know, the best of Weird Friends one day. You know, the best of political interviews. Wow,
1: that would be quite the deal.
0: The best of me losing my mind. We got all that somewhere cataloged, indexed, easily uh, at our fingertips. Eee. I, maybe we don't want to go back and listen to some of those shows. Uh, maybe we'll just play the beginning. The first day we went on the air, that might be kind of scary, too. Let's not do that. I yeah, think, just
1: I, reminiscing. You know, that that's kind of the, uh, the thing. The stories get better over time yeah. instead of the actual Accounts.
0: I think I, if I went back and listened to him, which I haven't done, I might sound like, you know, like a rabbit on meth. <laughs> hey, everybody, welcome to the show. Ah!
1: No, no, no. Because remember, we were in different positions. Oh, you were kind of right. learning. Yep. And and th- you have definitely grown in your skills oh, thank you, at Dan. being able to
0: operate things. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate that. And uh, hopefully slow it down a little bit, you know. Just take a breath every once in a while. And enjoy yourself. Anyway, thanks for being here today. We'll uh, we'll start gearing up for the one-year anniversary. People, maybe you have uh, messages, anniversary messages that you'd like to send our way. That's fine. Uh, suggestions, uh, critiques are always welcome. Um, hey, you know what I saw in the news, Dan? The trolley saved. Do you know this? Did you I this? did
1: know the trolley was saved.
0: Uh, yeah, so big money on the trolley. No, it's not big money. Uh, the downtown Sioux Falls has been running the trolley uh, down there, around the the sites uh, of the dear Greater Downtown area for a few years now. Uh, before that, was run by the city, and the city didn't want to run it anymore because it was too expensive. So the downtown took it over, and then they're like, "Ah, we can't." Aye, aye, aye. But they got uh, Sanford, Holt McDowell, and is it Lewis? Lewis Drug, I think. Sanford, Holt, McDowell, and Lewis Drug pitched in, and they're uh, they're going to keep that baby going for another year, which is nice. I mean, it's good. It's easy. It's free. You know, or maybe it was a dollar. I think it was a dollar or something like that. I can't. Yeah, remember. Yeah, one dollar. You get on and uh, it takes you to all the all the hot spots in downtown Sea Falls, down to Falls Park, back up, all over the place. So we're happy about that. Big big doings. The other the other what what? Oh, Dan's Dan's. I'm looking at the sheet now. Uh, he's referring. Yes. He's doing some study. The
1: hop on hop off historic tours, two dollars for adults.
0: Two bucks. Two, two bucks. bucks. But you
1: and so so the guy at the uh, the or the the person who is. Taking the taking the money was.
0: I want my two dollars.
1: <laughs> for you better off dead, fans? Uh,
0: I made a uh, I made a uh, uh, I want my two dollar reference from Better Off Dead the other day, and completely fell on deaf ears.
1: Oh, my. Now,
0: everybody in that particular group of people was not familiar.
1: I have taught my children well. I showed them the clip. <laughs> That's good. So they, they know about $2. <laughs> I want <because> my $2. <laughs> my kids, if they forget lunch, if they don't take lunch to school with them, yep. they call them and say, Dad, I forgot my lunch. $2. <laughs> <$2!" laughs> oh, my gosh. And then the secretary says, more people should do that. Make their kids accountable because if they forget their lunch, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be free ride for the parents to give to give them their stuff.
0: They, $2. I like that. I like that. So they have to pay you 2 bucks. They pay me $2. Oh, my. Couldn't they just buy lunch? $2. <laughs> this is much better because you make money off the deal. Yeah,
1: and then I can relive the Better Off Dead thing.
0: <laughs> that's great. Uh, you know, the other thing that's saved or found or the poet's table— if you've been following this saga from the Black Hills that blew up over the weekend, I was going to mention it yesterday. I don't think I got to it. Uh, so, And it was atrocious, all right? So there's video of these two women sawing the poet's table in half. Oh, no. Yeah. And there's like, you can hear it. <laughs> <laughs> on this video on Facebook.
1: Well, at least they did it the natural way instead of taking the chainsaw up to the poet's table. and yeah.
0: And then they carried it down in two pieces, right? And there's pictures of these of women carrying these. So they find the women, and uh, uh, it was the stuff was kind of busted up. And they, fa- but they said, well, they just thought it was desecrating the hills that it was unnatural for it to be up there. You know, they just thought it. Somebody had stuck this up there to hang out and you know, leave poetry, and they they just didn't think that was right. They haven't released their names yet. If they, I feel. I'm of two minds on this thing. One, we should know who they are, right? Because they did this really kind of atrocious thing. On the other hand, they, they clearly just didn't get it, right? And if their names get released, they're just going to get inundated on social media. They're just going to get savaged. And I, don't, I feel kind of bad for them. Yeah, and
1: what's going to be worse? Is it going to be the, the radical people... Who were you know, the environmentalists and saying, "Ooh, the, the environment, the environment," or the 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 radical
0: poets who will say, "Oh, Captain, my Captain," because mm-hmm. their poet's table was taken. Yeah, it was it was a bad deal. It was, I couldn't believe it. I mean, so you're you're carrying you're in Custer State Park and you're carrying two halves of a table down a hiking trail. People are going to take your picture, <laughs> and that's what happened. No, I got busted. So we'll see. They're from Rapid City. They were locals. I'm sure out there, everybody knows who they are by now. Don't you think? It's just not that big of a community. Word gets around. So, there you go. They did, they're, somebody, they're carrying up, uh, I was just sent this note from uh, Thea Miller-Ryan, friend of the show, Thea Miller-Ryan, um, that they did, uh, some folks rebuilt, built a new poet's table and carried it up there. But, well, that's nice. You
1: know what Boss Hogg would say to those women?
0: Yeah. They would say, Be brain.
1: Everyone will
0: do Thanks to Thea for the update. And maybe we'll talk a little bit about that on Friday when she's here. Yes. With, uh, with the Buffalo Maiden. Yeah. There you go. Um, we have a great show for you today. Our guests include Libby Screen. She is with uh, ACLU. She's got Heather Smith. They're both from ACLU of the Dakotas. And they're going to be in. We're going to talk about civil rights. That kind of thing things are working on Scott Hudson is our weird friend of the day and we'll be talking about uh, you guessed it uh, Roseanne that you're not gonna throw that fastball by Hudson he's gonna take that one right out of the yard Alyssa uh, Boyson of the Siouxland libraries will fill us in on their summer reading program blogger Pat powers the Dakota war com is here to talk about state politics with just a couple of days here to go before the big primary that we've got coming up and I'll have a PL statement just after the break today's topic um, it's just Friedman, Thomas Friedman, New York Times columnist, Thomas Friedman, and journalism stuff. Stay with us. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 20 on the patrick lally show information 1000 ksoo and it's that time of the day when we gaze through the news and find things that are interesting to me and hopefully to you i know i know they're interesting to you because they're interesting to me and we're interested in the same things right there you go we still don't always agree on it uh any huge so uh what i read today was a column by thomas friedman uh as uh, i reference him fairly often on this show and uh one of my favorite columnists. He, of course, with the New York Times. And uh, his column today is Sounding Code Red, Electing the Trump Resistance. And this column is essentially about how uh, he is saying, vote Democrat, and uh, because Trump needs to be checked, essentially. And I like this because there's some very interesting um, points that he makes, writings, writing that he makes beyond the, the major point. Um, and, uh, anyway, and I, it's just very good. It's just very well thought out. But what he says is, is this the lead with the primary season winding down and the midterm soon upon us. It's time to point out that this election is not about what you may think it's about. It's not a choice between the particular basket of policies offered by the candidates for house or Senate in your district or state policies like gun control, right to choose free trade or fiscal discipline. No, what this election is about is your first chance in since 2016 to vote against Donald Trump. And, uh, uh, it's he makes a case for uh, voting for Democrats, even though they are flawed, as they may be, because, and uh, I just there's a couple interesting points, because what we've learned since 2016 is that the worst Democrat on the ballot for the House or Senate is preferable to the best Republican because the best Republicans have consistently refused to take a moral stand against Trump's undermining of our law enforcement, intelligence agencies, the State Department, the Environmental Protection Agency, the Civil Service, the basic norms of our public life, and the integrity of our elections These Republicans have made craven choice to stand with Trump as long as he delivers the policies they like on tax cuts, gun control, fossil fuels, abortion, and immigration, even though many privately detest him. Uh, And he says, I don't write this easily. And this is the part I really like. On many non-social, non-environmental issues, I'm not a card-carrying Democrat. I favor free trade, fiscal discipline, pro-business regulations, a democracy-expanding foreign policy, and I have an aversion to identity politics." And I agree with that because I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I'm an independent. Um, And so I feel like I can believe whatever I want to believe. And I'm particularly hard on Democrats, uh, particularly in the state of South Dakota, for what I see as their inability to uh, represent issues or come up with issues that fit with uh, what South Dakotans believe and need. And that's why you see them doing so dismally. and, Mr. Friedman continues. Uh, He says, but all that is on hold for me now because something more fundamental is at stake. It's not what we do. It's who we are, how we talk to one another, what we model to the world, how we respect our institutions and just how warped our society and government can get in only a few years from a president who lies every day, peddles conspiracy theories from the bully pulpit of the pulpit of the White House and dares to call our FBI and Justice Department a deep criminal state for what for doing their job. So, I mean, he goes on, uh, but there's just, you know, a couple points here that I think are, this, this paragraph in particular is awesome. Still, Democrats can't count on winning just by showing up. They still have to connect with some centrist and conservative voters. And that means understanding that some things are true even if Trump believes them. We do have a trade issue with China, which I've been saying, that needs addressing. We cannot accept every immigrant because so many people today want to escape the world of disorder into our world of order. People want a president who is going to grow the pie, not just redivide it. Political correctness on some college campuses is out of control, and it is. People want to be comfortable expressing patriotism and love of country in an age where globalization can wa- wash out those identities. I just, that encompasses so much of what I believe and I think is important in the end. It's no secret I like Friedman, all right? He's won three Pulitzers and there's a reason. It's because he's reasonable and knowledgeable on many issues that I care about, sustainability, technology, education, workforce development. He studies, he travels more than most. That's why he's good. He does the research. Good journalists do that. So much of what we hear and read today in journalism doesn't do that. I read a a really good takedown of a story regarding the allegations that the Justice Department placed a spy in the Trump campaign. You know, we've been hearing this over and over. And there was an informant. But when you actually read the facts and listen to people who know how things work, you find out it wasn't a spy. It was an informant following up leads. Because there were people who were uh, intimately involved with Russians, Russian spies. who They may or may not have known it. But a lot of the stories, and that's, you know, that needs to be pursued. That needs to be reported on as well. But there's this wave of stories that really are shaky at best sourcing and speculation. There's great value in questioning the tactics and powers of federal law enforcement and intelligence agencies. I'm I'm not going to tell you it's not. Clearly, there have been and will be abuses. That's the central conflict when we as a society grant these wide-ranging powers to what are fallible human beings. It's the check-on power at all levels that is important. It That is the safety valve that we bake into this system to guard against our own worst impulses. The backers of Trump make all sorts of claims about the progress we've made since his election. And I'm not going to say that none of that is true because there are things that change. But at the same time, they aren't all attributable to the president's policies. It's important that we understand the actual power of any one person, regardless of party or philosophy, to move this ship of state to affect the economy in any meaningful way in a short period of time. That's just not how the world works. The fact is, there are a great many conservative thinkers in our country who in economics and social policy that should be heard and read, and they are getting overrun in this atmosphere. So I agree with Friedman. You can call me whatever you want. I don't care. But I'm going to go with facts over rhetoric from proven sources. What I want, what I ask is for our elected officials, our congressional delegation, to stand up as well. That's the bottom line on today's P&L statement. Agree or disagree with me, you can reach me, Patrick at KSO.com. I'd love to hear from you. Follow us on the Twitter, at P. Lally Show, as always. We're going to come right back after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters and chat with Scott Hudson and Weird Friends, A little Roseanne action. You knew it was going to come. This is the Patrick Lally Show, information 1000 S O O. 336 on the patrick lally show information 1000 ksoo and uh it's that time of day it's weird friends time and uh i was thinking today that you know scott hudson our regular guest on wednesday loves the intersection of politics and pop pop culture right is is, scott isn't that the case
2: Uh, love or hate
0: love love, hate let love hate is drawn to the intersection of politics and pop culture
2: you know i pretty much love hate everything now that i think about it
0: (laughs) (laughs) and uh is there any greater example of the intersection of politics and pop culture than roseanne oh boy (laughs) no there is not (laughs) and i thought let's talk to scott about roseanne scott what are your thoughts on the last couple of days and the implosion of Roseanne Barr?
2: Well, where do I begin? <laughs> First off, I don't understand this trend in the last couple of years of bringing back all these shows that had run its course 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Will and grace, Murphy Brown this fall. Uh, I think Netflix had like full house or something like that. Yeah. Fuller I, house. I, I, yeah, I, I don't understand why we would bring these shows back to begin with. And um, and let's face it, Roseanne was known to be a nightmare to work with back in the 90s or late 80s, whenever the show first. She was known to be a nightmare then. Mm-hmm. And as she has gotten older, she has gotten even more unhinged. Twitter. So everybody knew what they were getting into with her.
0: Yeah. It was really bad for Roseanne. That's a bad idea. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, uh, you know, and none of the cast the cast didn't really need it. I mean, Laurie Metcalf she was nominated for an Oscar this
0: year. John mm-hmm. Goodman
2: is in all of those. Um, uh, Cohen brothers. Made by those brothers who the, the,
0: the, the Cohen oh, brothers. Cohen. Yeah, Cohen.
2: Yeah. Uh, Sir Gilbert is on Julie Chen's talk show. I mean, I. I it was nothing but a pure money grab by everyone involved and i i can't believe that anyone didn't foresee this coming
0: it was pretty bad because
2: she has, <laughs> she has tweeted things of this nature before i mean she has she's famous for tweeting outrageous things and then deleting it a couple hours later in the hopes that no one remembers it
0: yeah absolutely and actually maybe it was good that she just went in you know full gas instead of something that was sort of nominally offensive. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> right. she got, I mean, it was made it, it, it probably shortened the conversation, although it keeps going. And uh, just, you know, ABC was able to just toosh, make a decision and move on. Yeah. Instead of having a draw out.
2: A pretty phenomenal thing, too, when you think about it. Whether you, whether you agree with it or not, uh, this happened within hours. And usually... Usually they try to ride the storm out a little bit before they make a move like this, but they, they did not wait at all.
0: No, I like uh, everybody. I, and she said, oh, throw me under the bus to some one of the cast members who, yeah, they did throw her under the bus, hard. Uh, every one of them. Uh, uh, Wanda Sykes, who was, was a producer on the show, she was like, I'm out, I'm out. Well, <laughs> no I mean,
2: Wanda Sykes is African-American, of yes.
0: course. <laughs> uh, she was out fast, and uh, everybody else just dropped it. Uh, very quickly, which was, I guess, uh, not surprising. I mean, in, in the world in which we live, you don't want to be associated with that. For well,
2: yeah, days. and I think that we, we I, I think if you paid attention to it, you probably knew something was coming be- anyway because uh, three weeks ago, Whitney Cummings, who is another of the executive producers, mm-hmm. she, or she was the showrunner, actually, mm-hmm. of the show, she left. She said, I've, I've had it. I'm done.
0: Yeah, it was apparently not a good atmosphere.
2: yeah and and it wasn't back then i mean it was uh it was famous it was a famous set for her to be screaming at actors writers and everybody else
0: yeah yeah and it was getting huge ratings that's what's kind of shocking to me usually yeah i
2: don't understand that either (laughs) no
0: i i like john goodman a lot i mean i think he's done some really cool i mean he has some great roles in in the I mean, he's in. He's in the Big Lebowski. For God's sakes, that's a, yeah. one of the greatest movies ever, and he's yeah. fantastic in it. But I don't understand why he was came back. But like you say, it was a big money grab, and now that's it's gone. <laughs> what <laughs> <Bye-bye>. I find <laughs> interesting.
2: What I find interesting is the person with the best, or the it's not really a person. The best joke that came out of this was from the Ambien company.
0: Oh yeah. Because, because she said she, that Ambien she, had caused Yeah, she's now it.
2: blaming it on Ambien. And, and so they tweeted out today, uh, side, there is no, racism is not a side effect of Ambien. such a <laughs> yeah. long No,
0: that was, one of the known side effects of Ambien is not racism. <laughs>
2: that's hilarious. That's funnier than anything Roseanne probably said on her, on that entire know. run of the show.
0: Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, you know, but that's, you should, she's said, she goes back and forth between saying she's stupid and she never can't believe she did any of that. Then to just lashing out again. So I think maybe she, yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, she was retweeting after she apologized. Then she was retweeting some more things the rest of the night. It's weird, but I'll tell you one thing that does bother me about it Hmm. is, you know, I didn't know about this at first yesterday and I turned on my Twitter machine Mm -hmm. and my big brother gossip account got more followers and I follow more people than my Paul's dead one. Mm-hmm. Um, why does it that every single and I know I'm being hypocritical here because I'm giving my take of it to you but mm-hmm. why does every single person in the world think they have to comment on every news item that comes up
0: I don't know they're trying to be famous for their comment I guess that's it. I mean, I that's my job partly, but right, right, you know, right, right. But uh, I even on Twitter, I can't keep up with all of it. I don't have, you know, I can't come up with an opinion on every single thing. But you're right, people, people over and over and over and
2: over and over. Or it, they retweet the same things over and over. Or you know, mm-hmm. when I have ten people or ten, a hundred people retweeting the same article, it's like, don't you guys like? you know follow each other don't you really
0: know <laughs> <laughs> you have all the same followers yeah yeah that's funny uh scott hudson uh plug the show we didn't even talk about music but plug the show i played Cracker, So uh
2: live this friday uh it's the first friday of the month so it's new release time
0: awesome maybe we'll talk about music next week how's that sound
2: yeah that's perfect
0: cool scott thanks a lot we'll talk to you next week all right coming up after the break We've got a guest from the Siouxland Libraries. We're going to be talking about the Siouxland Library Summer Reading Program. That's Alyssa, Alyssia, Alyssia Boyson. And she'll be in here in just a minute. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 347 on the patrick lally show information 1000 k s o o and i'm very happy to have in the studio because we love reading on the patrick lally show everybody knows it we talk about books all the time on this show uh alicia Boyson. Boyson. i i almost messed that up Boysen, you're so worried
3: about the first name I, that you got I, the last name <laughs> i got the
0: easy part wrong Boyson. she's the branch librarian in the siouxland library uh Siouxland Libraries system here in the greater Minnehaha County area. Uh, Alicia, thanks for being here today.
3: Thanks for having me.
0: You are here because uh, summer reading is a huge deal. Yeah. And you've got a big event on this Friday. Tell us about it.
3: Yeah. So we are kicking off summer with a big event downtown at our main um, downtown location um, and kind of in conjunction with First Friday. So we'll um, have some great programming starting downtown at six o'clock.
0: Oh that's great. So uh first Friday is this Friday. Yep,
3: yep, and it's the a first.
0: Big dang deal downtown. It is. Um every first Friday uh what are you what, what's the event? What's going to happen at this thing? We're going to be handing out books. What are we doing?
3: So, what we our main focus is to get people signed up for our summer reading program. So, we have a program this summer for kids in kindergarten through fifth grade, and then kids entering sixth grade through um, seniors in high school. So, we have our kids and our teen program. And um, beans are down there signing up for our reading program. We have a lot of fun things for them to do as well. So, for our teens, we're going to do an escape room, and it's Stranger Things. Yeah. Themed. so I'm not sure if you're familiar with the show but I it's a big am. deal
4: <laughs> I am
0: huge fan
3: yeah and so then for the younger kids we've got a family coming up here from Iowa they're called the Hanson family they do lots of fun things like juggling riding unicycles riding the unicycles while they juggle
0: sure because who can't do that
3: right I mean it's so, <laughs> it's so easy I mean especially on like a 7 foot unicycle that they have so that sounds fun so it'll be very entertaining and we actually have some stuff for the um, adults to do as well we're going to have a um, life-size battleship game going on. And we say these are for the adults. Wait
0: a minute! (laughs) A life-size battleship game.
3: Yeah, yeah. So in one of our meeting rooms, there's carpet squares, and each square is just like the um, sections on battleship. And it's really open to anybody who wants to do something like that. But we try to gear different activities for different age ranges. So you know, if there's teens out there who think life-size battleship is kind of cool, wants to give it a try, they can certainly do it as well. And then, of course, we have to get wet with the little preschoolers and younger. So we'll have a, a water wall that the kids will be able to play with for our youngest
0: Oh, that's amazing. And this is all at the downtown branch? Mm-hmm. Okay.
3: Yep, it'll be from 6 o'clock till 8 o'clock at the downtown library. Some of the stuff will be outside. Some of it will be inside. If for some reason the weather doesn't cooperate on Friday, we'll just move everything inside.
0: It's going to be fine.
3: Yeah, that's the weather, good.
0: The weather's always going to be fine for First Friday. That's how it works.
3: And it never is windy and it never rains in South Dakota, so we'll no. be just fine. <laughs> no, it's,
0: it's all good. Um, so, there, I screwed it up again. Alicia Boyson, she is a branch librarian down with the Siouxland Libraries. Uh, so tell us about the summer reading program. How's it How's it work and what, what are the goals here?
3: Yeah, so for our K-5, through five, we just want you to be reading um, throughout the summer. So for every 15 minutes of reading that they do, they can mark a square on their log. And then as they're um, earning those reading minutes throughout the summer, they can come into the library and earn um, like the pony beads. So we'll, they'll get a chain um, at our kickoff event and then throughout the summer, they'll be able to earn those beads and for the more reading you do we got some kind of cool beads coming up so we got like uv color changing ones we've got different shaped ones and then we have just some generic colored ones for the lower minutes of reading
0: so and this is for the little kiddos
3: yep so that's for the k through five so our teens what we're doing for them is every book that they read this summer they'll earn a raffle ticket and we have um 16 raffle baskets that they'll be able to put their name into so things like a harry potter themed um Mm -hmm. raffle basket we've got an art based one we've got an anime Um, we got some marvel and then of course we got the dc comics so hopefully there'll be a basket that Perks one of their interests, and then they'll be able to earn raffle tickets into those prizes by reading books. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah,
0: uh, you should do that for adults. I, <laughs> I want to be in a. I want to be in a raffle for a book I read.
3: Yeah, so for the adults, we have um, a list of books that they have to choose from. It's the top 100 books mm-hmm. that. Across America, people have chosen.
0: Now, the list just came out not so long ago.
3: Yeah. Um, PBS is doing a great big yeah. special on it um, throughout the summer. So that's I the got, list.
0: I was, uh, I went through it uh, uh, and I was at, I did not win my household, but I was, of the top hundred books, I was 28 or 29, something like that. Oh, wow. No, or maybe I was at 30. I was right around there anyway. Yeah. I was happy about that. A little disappointed in a couple of them. Right. But uh, there was. It's such a wide range of books, it's hard for somebody to. You can't,
3: you can't love all the books on the list, of course, because it's really trying to meet all the demographics right. on 50 there. Fifty Shades
0: of Grey is on there. Right. <laughs> I'm not going to read it.
3: Yep. Some, <laughs> somebody, somebody out there loved that one. So it's, yes. it made the list. And so adults can read from that list and they'll be able to put their name into raffle baskets as well.
0: Oh, so it's true. Yeah. I was joking.
3: Yeah. No, there is one for adults too. Yep. Just go to our website and you'll see all the details for it.
0: And what is your website?
3: org.
0: Uh... And just give us the uh, rundown, org, and we'll put that on our Twitter feed.
3: Yep. That's our website where and, you can get to our reading program, um, or you can stop into any one of our locations, and we've got logs for people to pick up with all the information on it. it as well.
0: That's the next thing I was going to say. You can, uh, The kids can go to, and the adults, can go to any library yep. in the Siouxland Library system, which includes all the ones in the city, yep. and then... What other, what other towns out in the, in the hinterlands?
3: So we've got a, lot, a branch in Crooks, mm-hmm. Colton, Hartford, Humboldt, Valley Springs, Baltic, Garretson, and Brandon.
0: Holy cow.
3: So there's 13 total Siouxland Libraries locations plus one bookmobile.
0: The bookmobile's still going strong, right?
3: It is going strong. And we get requests to have it come to um, different daycares and schools every day.
0: You know, when I was but a lad... Just a up, couple years ago. Growing up on the North End, <laughs> the old, old bookmobile might have been the first bookmobile. No, it was a little bit later. It was in the 70s anyway, mm-hmm. stopping at uh, Cathedral Grade School every week. Yep. I, I got a ton of books from the bookmobile. I'm glad it's still yeah, going.
3: We're still going strong. We don't go to the Sioux Falls public schools anymore, but we do go to the um, rural schools out in oh, the cool. county and then we do um several several daycares here in sioux falls um, that's most of our stops during the day are different daycares so if you ask your kids at home i bet they maybe are coming mm. on to the bookmobile and oh, you did not even know good. it the bookmobile
0: yeah. lives it is uh, <laughs> alicia Boyson. she is a branch librarian with the siouxland library system and the event is friday night from six to eight kicks off the summer reading series at the downtown branch of the library in conjunction with First Friday. Uh, Alicia, thank you very much for coming in. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, we'll be right back. Uh, to um, After the top of the hour, we'll be back with Pat Powers of Dakota War College, and we'll be talking politics. In the meantime, this is The Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO.
5: This is a public service announcement
2: with getting. Kim-
0: 358 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And we were mentioned in the last segment with Alicia Boyson from the Siouxland Libraries that Friday is First Friday. And it's not just at the library. It's all over downtown. Erickson Entertainment. Uh, June block party with live music, food vendors, beer, wine, and more along the boardwalk at 8th and Railroad Center. The whole family will love animals on the amphitheater at the downtown riverfront between 6th and 8th Streets where you cook live animals from the Great Plains Zoo from 11 to 11.45 in the morning. It's all good kind of stuff. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, Pat Powers from Dakota War College, and we'll talk politics. Information 1000 KSOO. 407 on the patrick lally show information 1000 KSOO. and as we do most wednesdays about now about about this time ish we get to talk to pat powers who is up in brookings and he pens the and types the and sends out the dakota free uh dakota war college blog uh pat thanks for being with us today
5: Hey, thanks for having me. It's it's a great day up here in Brookings.
0: Yeah, isn't every day? No, it's not. I'm not even going to try that. That's disingenuous no, it's, it's in the usually, it's
5: usually windy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, uh, Pat, you know, uh, you come from uh, the world from the right side of the spectrum, and that's one of the reasons we like to have you on, because you've got insight into the world of, of Republican politics, campaign politics. You're a campaign professional. Um what do you think, uh, generally, about polling? There's uh, the the, the Kelo and Argus leader polls are coming out this week in as we lead up to the primary. And when you look at these things, what do you see? Uh, you know,
5: it's uh, polling is kind of a it's a tougher animal than it used to be. A lot of and a lot of that's due to the use of cell phones, but uh, you know, it still helps give you a. a General area of of where you might expect to lie, uh, you know. The methodology is going to really get, is really going to dictate how accurate you can you can call it. Uh, and uh, I, I know they, there's been those polls coming out this week, uh, you know, in cooperation with some of your your news competitors, but <laughs> uh, they, uh, uh, they 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 kind of tell a. I, I think they to reinforce what the impression that a lot of us have had, that uh, the, the governor's race is is just too call, close to call at this point. And uh, I, I've always thought that uh, Dusty Johnson was doing well, but uh, if, if the poll that came out today was to believe, be believed, uh, he, he's doing far better than uh, I had even imagined because uh, uh, it was showing him way up in the poll.
0: Yeah, he had nearly a twenty-point advantage on a yep, on just, a three and a half percent. I think Marjorie Rivera. So that's pretty good.
5: Yeah, it uh, it was uh, it was a tremendous lead, and and if that's you know if their methodology is accurate, it's it's going to be pretty hard to to move those kind of numbers, and and it also shows that uh, Neil Tapio. Uh, affected the race in a in a great great way by by splitting uh, a segment of that vote that have, might have gone all for uh, all for Chantel.
0: Yeah, he had thirteen points. Uh, she was twenty three. He was forty one. Or uh, Dusty was forty one. I think of the numbers mm-hmm. off the top of my head. They just moved today. Um, and I'll say this: that uh, the firm that the Argus Leader uses for polling, Mason Dixon. They've been doing it for a long time. I had a lot of experience with them. I think they're in, in the world of of polling. They're pretty solid, and you can't always say that about a lot of companies. But they're pretty good, and they do a lot of independent polling.
5: Well, and, and again, I mean, I I think it it really comes down to uh, the po- the the population of cell phone users, and, mm-hmm. and I can't say I've dug into it that hard because. Uh, it uh, it's really changed drastically over the past two and even four years.
0: Yeah, where, and it, is, it is tougher. There's no doubt about that.
5: Well, and, and polling, uh, it, and it's funny, polling in some cases has got, gotten so tremendously cheap that uh, they're, they're starting to advertise it for state legislative races. And I say this as somebody who gets asked about the services there, where I can go out and access a poll for state legislative candidates very inexpensively, but when you start adding in the cell phones because mm-hmm. of trying to meet the regulations and laws, that's where the costs skyrocket. And that kind of gives you the difference between a, a basic benchline poll of landlines and uh, a more accurate poll taking into account the heavy user, the users of cell phones, who uh, most pe- uh, many people, are, or if not most, have, have cut, uh, cut landlines at this point.
0: Oh, yes, and it, it does make it much more difficult. The other part of that is one of the reasons polling has gotten so cheap as i understand it is there's so much um auto polling uh yeah i I don't know i can't can't think of the right term now but uh in most cases when you think of mason dixon for instance they're going to do those polls they they will talk to you you know a human voice to a human voice a lot of them are just punch one or two punch one or two and i don't know if there's a difference between the uh uh reliability on those
5: well uh Part of it too is uh, federal laws on uh, on auto dialing cell phones are, are pretty stringent, and and uh, you could you could ask Stace Nelson uh, mm-hmm. how they treat those. He, he's currently involved in a lawsuit for uh, uh, doing robocalling to cell phones, and uh, and that's still dragging on out there. But but the uh, the civil suit is based strictly on the robodialing of
0: cell phones. That's pretty interesting. Um, we're going to come right back and talk more with Pat Powers uh, from the Dakota War College blog from up in Brookings, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about state politics as we move into the final days of primary season. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO four eighteen on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. The trail of our money
2: for one thousand KSOO.
0: And we continue our conversation with Pat Powers. He is the blogger up in Brookings who blogs under the Dakota War College URL and uh, space. Uh, Pat, um, we were talking about uh, polling. There's polling coming out this week in the big races here in the state of South Dakota. Um, I'm curious, as a campaign professional, and uh, you still are, uh, blogging doesn't pay the bills up there in Brookings, does it, Pat? <laughs>
5: Uh, you know, I, I, do lo- I, I do lots of things. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
0: Uh, you have political ads on your, on your website, right? I do. Yeah, you, I so do. You, you, take, you take some uh, uh, income from your blogging, but you also work, have worked in the, in the business for a long time. And I'm, I'm curious what polling is like when it's done by campaigns and how it's different from maybe the polling that the public sees done by media organizations or what have you.
5: Well, it's it's actually not that not that terribly different. Although you're going to have more in-depth information, and and you're often going to see more uh, more of what we call the cross-tabulations, uh, where you you look at the universe of uh, certain voters who who have one point of view and and their likes and dislikes and, and how you can potentially move them. Uh, you, you just tend you tend to get a lot more a lot more detail. And, uh, and again, you're, you're paying a, a significant amount of money to, uh, for them to get the most accurate information possible. So on a, uh, on
0: a big statewide campaign, like a, uh, a gubernatorial race or a congressional race or something, how often would a campaign typically uh, poll if they have the money?
5: You know, you you're more likely to, to see it maybe once uh, once every couple of months, and as you get down towards the uh, as you get down towards the election, you may do some some tracking polling where say they they call a universe of three hundred people, mm-hmm. and then they uh, the next day they call another universe of, of three hundred people. Or they or they add a hundred people on the front end, they drop a hundred people on the back end, so it's kind of a, a moving number. So you can uh, hopefully track differences in trends based on advertising that goes out, or what is the message, or, or how is the opponent's message affecting you. So so you, so you literally they they do their best to give you the ability to watch that number go up and down as. Uh, as it tracks across a, a period of time.
0: So you'll you'll be watching uh and if there's a certain uh, uh advertisement that goes up or uh points you begin making in terms of a campaign, you want to see if it moves a number. Um you you want to see a one-to-one relationship, right? Well,
5: well yes, yes. And and part of the thing that uh and I discovered this early on when working uh first working for the Republican Party, uh, you know, you you have to keep in mind that when you take a poll, that is that is literally just a snapshot in time. Mm-hmm. You know that that's just where opinion is on a day, uh, and you you yeah you really what you're interested in is more a trend than what it is on that day. Because let's say you've got a poll a couple a few weeks apart, you want to see you know where were you on day one, and then where were you on day thirty. You know, is that an upward trend or a downward trend? Because it might look pretty good one day, but it can uh, it can go south very fast.
0: Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious because and the reason I'm, I, I like this conversation is uh, having been in media uh, and, you know, supervised polls for quite a while. One of the problems always was that as a media outlet, you have limited resources. Right. So you're basically going to poll one time. So I look well, at, at I, and I look yeah. at this race, this these races. The polls are coming. out. I think the polls were done like May twenty one through twenty three or something like that.
4: Uh, I
5: actually I think it was May twenty first through twenty fifth. Okay. So so it's it's pretty recent data, mm-hmm. but but again it doesn't it doesn't show us the uh, where the number is changing. And, and I and I would I think it's safe to assume that all those numbers are going to tighten up as you get closer to the election mm-hmm. um you know i the big thing is you, you watch for big big downward trends because that could spell trouble
0: yeah and uh so for instance you know in the in the governor's race we don't know i mean the poll says that they're basically in a dead heat and everybody feels like it's a very close race but uh we've been getting uh christy Noam has been moving a lot of advertisement and a lot of rhetoric on mm-hmm. uh marty's involvement in in uh, uh eb5 and marby yep. marty's involvement in gear up and marty's involvement in, in uh today i just heard an ad for uh, uh the case up in aberdeen with the uh, sexual harassment suit so we yeah, don't that, know
5: actually i was i was expecting uh that issue to drop here pretty fast and and the, the campaign did not disappoint they <laughs> uh I, they they just opened up that one and so you know, it remains to be seen how uh, how that affects the numbers.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting. Polling is really fun, uh, and it it really can tell you a lot. But it's also dangerous, isn't it?
5: Well, and again, you you don't want to make assumptions based on that snapshot in time. And, and for the example I hold out, I uh, I worked with the uh, state Republican Party on some polling for a state legislative district probably about a week or two before the election back with, uh, Walt bones when he mm-hmm. ran against Roberta Rasmussen. And so we, we did a poll on, we went down in a weeknight and we, uh, collected the information and we came back and then we, uh, tabulated the data and sent it to him. And he, he show, showed, that, uh, you know, that she was, you know, 10 points off from him and, he used that, he, he took that as a signal to kind of sit back and, and maybe he didn't have to spend the money and work as hard. Well, but it really didn't show that that number was tightening up fast mm-hmm. and it was, it was headed in the wrong direction for him, but, you know, there was still a good distance between him and, and, you know, he, he should have taken that as a signal to keep working hard and, and instead of, taking the next week or so off
0: always run like you're five points behind right pat exactly yeah um did you ever have a case where you uh uh you had some polling and you you felt good about it and then it just turned out to be wrong (laughs) does that happen very often
5: you know and i have never i i have to say i've never i've never run into that um you know there there's a few pollsters out there who have a who have a tremendous reputation Mm -hmm. uh one of, the, one of the ones that everybody in South Dakota tries to work with is uh, uh, Glenn Bolger with Public Opinion Strategy. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're, they have a reputation for being among the best. And, and you'll see that because uh, they often show up on the uh, campaign finance reports for, for Senator Thune and Senator oh. Rounds. and You know, they're, they're going with the people they know the best who have a lot of experience in South Dakota.
0: Yeah, trust is a big factor in that, isn't it?
5: Oh, absolutely! Because you, you get a bad number, and you're not going to go to them anytime soon. And mm-hmm. and we've had some polls in the past few years, such as, uh, oh, the the group that came in and did the uh, poll with uh, Governor Dugard and uh, Scott Heideprim that showed Heideprim up yeah. going into the election, and, and and it didn't work out that way. No,
0: it was a if it was true, it was only true for a very short period of time. <laughs> <laughs> correct. Uh, uh, Pat Powers, he is a blogger out of Brookings at dakota war college and we like to have pat in about once a week talk politics well next time we talk to you we'll be after the election we'll do a post-mortem how's that sound
5: that sounds great
0: cool thanks a lot pat we'll talk to you next week thank you patrick coming up after the news and weather with mr dan peters we'll chat with a couple folks from the aclu uh libby skeering and uh heather smith and they'll be in here in just a moment this is the patrick lally show information 1000 S O O. 434 on the Patrick Lally Show, information 1000 KSOO. And we have in the studio with us today two representatives of ACLU of South Dakota, American Civil Liberties Union. Do you still call it that? The American Civil Liberties Union of South Dakota? Libby, let's see. I screen. I screen. I just <laughs> choked it. I have had a time with names today. It's been one after another, and they're just unforced errors. Libby Screen, who is policy director for the ACLU in South Dakota, and Heather Smith, executive director of the ACLU in South Dakota. Ladies, thank you very much for being here.
4: Thank you for having us. Yeah.
0: Um, so I uh, am. I remember the ACLU in South Dakota uh, back in the old days. Okay, and many many years ago. We're talking about the 1980s. Okay, hold on. Way back in the dim mists of history, I was actually on the board, local board of ACLU. It's a true story. And uh, Charlie Aberesque was involved. He's out in okay. Rapid City now. But we had no, like, it was just like us. It was not, and it didn't last long because we didn't know what we were doing. And then, uh, uh, but now you guys are like a, a up and running, full time, powerful organization. Uh, when did this start? How many people you got now, and when did how did that all come together?
6: Yeah, we have uh, six pe- six full time staff people um, on staff in our Sioux Falls office, and then we really had our stride um, in two thousand and fourteen, and that's where we've staffed up. And uh, since then, we've grown considerably in terms of the staff numbers that we have, but also in terms of the work we're doing. I I think our issues have been more diverse, and you've probably heard more about the ACLU lately. So whether it's in the legislature or through some of our litigation we're doing, and then we're amping up a lot of our community outreach and public education. So you'll see a lot more of the ACLU, and and hopefully you'll see our name um, in different venues
0: why uh why uh that was libby uh i'm sorry that was heather smith (laughs) see i'm losing it today dan can you just come over here and take over the show no no you'll be fine that's good um heather smith uh talking there um why did the aclu decide that uh the organization wanted to have a much more vigorous presence in south dakota
6: I think the presence of the uh, American Civil Liberties Union in in states like South Dakota is even more important than some of the larger states where they have a bigger population. Some of the civil liberties and civil rights issues we're fighting um, in South Dakota are really basic rights. So you look at the anti-trans bathroom bill um, a couple of years ago, and we're looking at just um, not harming students, making sure that they have equal access to, you know, live their lives. and then there are other issues like, you know, abortion rights without a bunch of restrictions. We have one of the, the most restrictive states for abortion rights in the country. And really, um, we're, we've been holding a lot of ground. Um, and the reason for the growth really is that we have decided that um, we're tired of holding ground and we're ready to do some offensive work. So you'll see us playing a little bit more um, in the political realm.
0: And um, where's the money come from? I mean, how do you pay the bills?
6: Yeah, we have um all individual donations or foundations, and then we also get some support from our national office.
0: So how roughly how much of it is local versus uh, national money?
6: Um, it's about split.
0: okay. Um and has that grown the, has the local portion grown now that you've had a presence here? Is that you know, raised awareness that?
6: Yes, absolutely. In the last year, um our membership has quadrupled. So in, in South Dakota, the growth is, has been tremendous, and, and that's, I think, a testament to the importance of the ACLU as an organization that defends everyone's rights, regardless of belief, um, but also that uh, people are, are nervous in terms of what's happening politically around the country. So we're, we're a popular group now, and I think our numbers are reflective of that.
0: Libby Screen, you are the policy director. You're the person who often ends up, uh, leading the, the the sort of the, the point of the spear, whether it's in peer or, or locally. Um, the, uh, is it hard, the, the two issues that you brought up, trans bathroom and abortion rights, uh, they, you see them as a civil right or a personal liberty. Um, a lot of people see those as social issues. How hard is it in South Dakota to separate the notion of uh, a constitutionally guaranteed civil right versus what people believe to be morally correct?
4: I think it can be hard, um, especially at the get go when you're first starting off introducing someone, especially a legislator or an office holder, to the idea um, of transgender rights. That sounds like a scary thing, right? And I think people have a little bit of a knee jerk reaction. Uh, but the more you talk to them, and especially the more you get community members to come to the Capitol so that they can actually meet a transgender kid who goes to high school here. And they realize that these are people just like us that are in the communities um, and that are deserving of fair treatment. And I think that when you put a face on that and when legislators and decision makers actually get to meet the people who who are asking for their help, I think that is where we start to see the shift.
0: The transgender bathroom uh, issue, and it's been over a few years now, um, got a lot of attention early on. Was that a watershed moment at some measure for your organization in South Dakota?
4: Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that the 2016 session uh, was a whirlwind that I had never anticipated was going to happen. And I honestly, I'm pretty early in my career, but I don't know if I'll ever see something like that again. Um, I, you know, I was joking with people. I got married in the year 2016, and we got a veto for the anti-transgender bill. And hands down, the best day of that year was the veto day. <laughs> um, I mean, we poured so much energy and blood sweat and tears and sleepless nights into that and to have something like that that was so high profile that we actually got a victory out of it was unreal. I mean we've yeah, it's it's a high watermark for sure.
0: We're going to come right back after a short break and talk more with Libby Screen, who is policy director for ACLU of South Dakota and Heather Smith, who is the executive director of the ACLU in South Dakota. We'll be right back. This is the Patrick Lally show, Information 1000. K S O 445 on the Patrick Lally show information, 1000 K S O O. And we return to our conversation with Libby screen, who is the policy director for the ACLU of South Dakota and Heather Smith, who is the executive director of the same organization. Um, we were talking a little bit about uh, uh, the peer and the um, whole issue of uh, transgender bathrooms. Uh, just to sort of top that off, um, is, it, is that done? It's going to be back. Are you going to be forever fighting over transgender bathrooms?
4: I hope we're not doing it forever, but I think it will come back. Um, And I'll say that I think today our position is stronger than it was in 2017 and stronger than it was in 2016. Last week we had two federal courts that in in separate districts that both ruled that transgender kids have to be treated fairly at school. Uh, So if this bill comes back and if whoever the governor is uh, wants to sign it, they'll be signing up for some serious litigation.
0: You have, and you're losing Governor Dugard, um, who vetoed, The bill, because he said, as I recall... this is a, 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 a solution in search of a problem, right? That's that essentially what his message?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think one of the things we've also seen develop over the past few years is a recognition by the business community that these sorts of bills and pieces of legislation shine a spotlight on our state in a very negative way. Um, you know, I think we hear a lot of talk about how we want to be a state that is attractive for young people and new businesses and corporations. And if we want to continue being that, then we can't endeavor to pass these sorts of laws that make us look horrible, that discriminate against people, and that are unconstitutional.
0: In fact, the business some of the business organizations actually uh, opposed the bill, didn't they? Yes. I mean,
4: yes. Um Yeah. Uh, towards the end of 2016, right before the veto happened, I think some of the business organizations got on board, and then absolutely in 2017 um, and in 2018, the business community was there, and they were ready to advocate strongly against that legislation.
0: Um, how do you, uh, when you get involved in these discussions, because you come at this from a uh, civil rights position which is constitutionally guided. Mm-hmm. And as I said earlier, when you're dealing with uh, folks on the other side who uh, uh, believe uh, that it's a moral question, um, those are two very difficult concepts to, when they collide. There's no easy answer. How are you able to have these conversations in a from a legal perspective and still balance what are people's serious and legitimate moral questions? Is that is that the hardest thing that you ever do?
4: I think it is probably one of the hardest things that I ever do. Um, I think part of it is that when you're in front of someone and you're talking to them, um, it's a lot harder to to be. Dismissive of their concerns, right? And I absolutely believe that some of the people who support these pieces of legislation sincerely believe that something wrong is happening and that that we need to go down this road of passing bills on transgender kids or whatever the issue is. Um, Where I come from it is also a place of deep morality, right? I see these kids, I work with these kids, I know how destructive these sorts of laws are to them. So I do see it as legal work, But it is also a very deeply, sincerely held belief on my part as well. And I think on a lot of these issues, we can find common ground. um, And where we can't find common ground, I'm confident that the law is on our side and that the Constitution is on our side. um, And that helps me rest easy at the end of the day.
0: You have your own values and morals. When do do your values and morals ever up against the Constitution where you feel like you are trying to read too much into what is on the document or in the amendments and in the Supreme Court decisions and you say, I believe this, but it's just not there?
4: Um. Sometimes, and I think that those are the issues you don't necessarily hear us talking about a lot, right? I think one of the things that's very important for the ACLU as an organization is to maintain its credibility and its principled stances. And I would never feel comfortable advocate, advocating for something that I did not sincerely believe that the Constitution stood for or that could possibly uh, be interpreted from case law. You know, I don't ever want to be seen as someone who, who tries to make things up and, and fit the Constitution into my beliefs. Um, so, yes, but at the end of the day, you probably won't hear us talking about those.
0: How does it, how does it work with the ACLU? Does, uh, the, does New York ever say, uh, how come you're not pushing harder on this particular issue? From a national perspective, it doesn't make sense to us. But on local level, you're saying, hey, it's just not going to happen. Very
6: rarely. We, um, we have the independence to make the decisions that are best for the state of South Dakota. And although we have a national office, that um, with that comes a lot of... Um, guidance in terms of expertise on on issue area stuff but in terms of strategy uh the strategy of the aclu of south dakota comes from here from us mostly and um we're really looking at what impacts the community and the state as a whole rather than um what someone in new york might be thinking we should do
0: do you ever see what National's doing and going (laughs) i hope that doesn't get in the paper here because it's just going to make us look bad
4: Not really. I mean, you know, there are definitely different ways of approaching the same principles. Um, You know, sometimes we'll look at the way California is talking about their issues and we're like, okay, we're in South Dakota. We need to talk about things in a way that makes sense to our neighbors and our friends. And we can't, you know, just kick down the door and be super aggressive and maybe take some of that coastal in your face. Uh, We don't think that attitude is super helpful for us here.
0: But the constitutional principles have to remain the same.
4: There are a lot of different roads to take to get to the same end goal. The principles remain the same, but but the way you go about making change differs depending on where you are.
0: What's on your horizon? Uh, we, I should say, we're here with Libby Screen and uh, Heather Smith of the ACLU of South Dakota. Uh, what's what's coming up, Heather? What's what? Who's going to take this question?
6: I'll take it, Heather. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Um, we are going to be launching a really exciting campaign where we're looking to draw attention to the power of a prosecutor in South Dakota to make decisions that impact people's lives in terms of incarceration. So um, Libby, do you want to talk a little bit about like the goals yeah, of it? Or? Yeah. So
4: I think one of the things that I have learned a lot over the past four or so years lobbying is just how powerful an attorney general is and just how intricate their role is in state government. And we think that as a position, the attorney general's race is something that a lot of people don't pay attention to or perhaps mm-hmm. don't realize the influence and the work that goes into being an attorney general. So we see this campaign that we're undertaking as a big public education effort to teach people and engage with people about who the attorney general candidates are, what their positions are, and more importantly even, what that role looks like, and reminding them that the attorney general is not just some lawyer, they are an elected official and therefore should be accountable to the people.
0: And you're not going to endorse a candidate necessarily.
4: No, no, we would never endorse a candidate. We... Our work is political, but it is not candidate-focused. Um, so, you know, our message is be aware of what this role is, be aware of what you believe, vote accordingly, and most importantly, vote.
0: And the attorney general race is interesting because there is a, a a race in the Republican Party for the nomination, but it's not on the ballot. It's a, And so you'll start this process after the party conventions because there's also there's two Democrats. I think there's three Republicans and two Democrats. So there's a lot of attorney general candidates this time. Um, so there'll be a lot of conversation, but so you'll start after the convention sometime or when? Yep, we I get think that'll up?
4: be about June 20th. I think is the, when the Republican convention, it's later than the Democratic convention, or maybe I have those backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, but once we know who the two candidates are, that's when we'll start really talking about the issues.
0: Um, and, uh, if people want to get involved. You said your your membership has has quadrupled. What what yes. is it now? Can you tell uh, me?
6: it's 5,000 members ar- across South Dakota.
0: That's pretty good. And so if people want more information about the ACLU in South Dakota, where do they go?
6: We have a brand new great website, www.aclu.org.
4: Our um, local website is aclusd.org. You're right. We don't go to our own website. We <laughs> <laughs> we'll
0: put both of those on the uh, Twitter feed for folks. If they need to differentiate, they can they can figure yes. that out. But uh, right. lots of information there, including membership and contact and all that good stuff.
4: Yes. Facebook kind. too. Follow us on Facebook, um, ACLU of South Dakota. Uh, we also have active Twitter feeds. I'm on Twitter um, at Libby underscore ACLU, aclusd.
0: Got it. Uh, Libby. Screen and Heather Smith of the ACLU of South Dakota. Thank you very much for coming in this afternoon. I really appreciate it. I'm sure we'll talk again real soon.
6: Yeah, thank you. Too. Thank you.
0: We'll finish up here in just a moment. This is The Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. <laughs> 457 on The Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. You know, there's a couple of big things. I said earlier, first Friday is Friday. Well, on Saturday, there's two, two things that you need to know about. First, at 830 is the 5K Purple Stride for pancreatic cancer. That is at Cherry Rock Park. And then Great Strides Walk is a benefit for cystic fibrosis. That's at 9 a.m. at Riverdale Park. You can probably hit both of those if you're, you know, if you're inclined to do so. Raise money for a couple of good causes. Go to the events calendar at KSO.com for more information on those great events. Coming up on the show tomorrow, what is it? It's a Thursday tomorrow, Thursday. Look at my calendar here. Oh, look at there. Republican candidate for U.S. House of Representatives, Chantel Krebs, will be here for the hour, as Larry King used to say, at about 4 o'clock. And we'll dive into the issues there. Smart Cyclists is the weird friend of the day. We're going to be talking about bike trail etiquette and e-bikes and All kinds of stuff that's really important to everybody.
1: And he is your favorite weird friend.
0: He is my favorite weird friend, but don't let that get out. Thanks, everybody. We will see you tomorrow. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO.